Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Level Up Human, the comedy science podcast souping up the homo sapien. Welcome to Level Up Human! Hello, hello, and welcome to Level Up Human, the comedy science podcast panel show trying to soup up the homo sapien. Each week we try and redesign our species with the help of experts and comedians. So we're recording live at the Blue Dot Festival. First of all, I'd like to introduce, seated on my left, it's Rachel Wheelie. Hello! Rachel, your job in all our podcasts is to decide which of the ideas we'll take forward for our hypothetical human. Um, what makes you fit? Why are you the perfect human being as the prototype for all of our new inventions? Um, well, it was a, there was a very long uh, democratic process, which I rigged horribly, and uh, <laughs> here I am. Yay! That's what democracy is now, actually, I think. So that's perfect. <laughs> We're also joined by a fantastic scientist. We are joined by Sarah Jones. Hello. Now, Sarah, it says here in your bio that you're a geomicrobiologist. Yep. And you're using bacteria for mining precious metals. Yeah, that's right. So essentially, uh, I spend all my time trying to get bacteria to eat rocks. But you're making bling from bacteria, microbial bling. Yeah, so essentially the rocks, uh, the microbes eat around the rock and leave the precious metals that are inside, sulfide minerals. Now we also can't just skip over your CV because on the way here on the train we learned that you've got a nose which can scale festival toilets and everything else. Can you please explain to us how you've got a well-trained nose? Yeah, so before, uh, before I started my current research, I used to have a job where I had to smell landfills and write down how smelly they were and what they smelt of. Um, bit of a spoiler alert on that. I mostly wrote smells of landfill. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, and there's a scale. There's like an official government scale of how smelly things are, um, where things are ranked from zero to six. Um, but to give you a bit of an idea of my life at the time, um, I lived in Reading. I worked on a landfill, uh, and I was dating a man that didn't have a job. So my whole life was a six, where six was ranked as <laughs> where you'd really rather be somewhere else. Is it fair to call you a landfill sommelier? Yeah. I mean, I don't know 
who would employ that person other than <laughs> other than Defra? You well. need to take those skills and uh, go and work in wine or chocolate or well, now you've learned them. You might as well do something. Yeah, but enjoyable. nobody says this wine tastes of fly tipping. Like that doesn't happen. No, no, it wouldn't though. You'd get the full. You could do a full Gilly Golden. I mean, it. I've been trained on landfill. So do you really want any wines or chocolate I've picked out? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. Give it a try, why not? <laughs> We're also joined by the fantastic Holly Shields. <laughs> now, Holly is a reader in cardiac physiology at the University of Manchester. But the most interesting thing, that for me at least, in your biography was that this has taken you to the Arctic. Can you please explain to everyone why a cardiac physiologist is heading off to the frozen wastelands? I can. So... One of the world's, the world's oldest living vertebrate lives up in the deep, dark waters of the Arctic. It's the Greenland shark, and it can live for upward of 500 years. And so to try and understand how a heart can beat for 500 years, we have to board ships and uh, sail north. So you've been hunting the Greenland shark to help us understand how to save humans as well? Yes, humans and the sharks. Okay, now Jaws would be a very different movie if this <laughs> is the case, actually, wouldn't it? Can you tell us, actually, can you tell us, is there anything come from this? Is there anything we can share with the public, or is it all embargoed? What have we learned from the Greenland shark? Well, it's, what have we learned from the Greenland shark? The Greenland shark probably ages because its heart continually regenerates. And can we do anything like that? Not yet. We so need to work out how to do that. We do. Don't we? we do. Does this mean that the Greenland shark easily gets over ex-girlfriends? <laughs> I think it, it lives, it lives <laughs> solitary lives, so I think probably. The solitary Aww. life of a Greenland shark, jeez. Like that's a Radiohead album waiting to happen. Yeah, isn't they're it? they're, they're actually 150 year old, 50 years old before they reach sexual maturity. So it's a very solitary life. Man, that is a very very long time to hit puberty. It, it is. Yeah, that, there's there's not enough like mopey emo albums in the world to cover that time. No. Okay, and we're also joined, of course, by suggestions from the fantastic audience here at the Blue Dot Festival. Now, this series is a bit of a physiology special, so we're going to be delving deep into the physiology. But before we get into these things, our panelists have each brought along a news story. Before we get hypothetical and talk about how we'd like to see humans, we'd like to have a quick look at what's happening right now. So can I start with you, Rachel? What is your news story? What have you brought with you today? You can. So very terrifyingly, on Tuesday, uh, Elon Musk reported that he is nearly ready to sew electrodes into your brain. He's nearly ready for the first human volunteers. Anybody here want to have electrodes sewn into their brain by a man who put a car into space? One man at the front aged around five? Two. Two? Yeah. No, five. Three. Five, surely. Uh, well, I wouldn't recommend this. This sounds like a really bad idea. What stressed me out about this the most was that I watched his Neuralink keynote speech in which he was explaining how they've nearly got to the point where they've got these electrodes ready to put into the human brain and he said, don't worry, it's not like we've got these electrodes and we're going to put them into your brain and then it'll be like, we've got neural lace and we're going to take over everyone's brains. And then he laughed for a full minute. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's an evil genius, guys. I'm really worried about what he's planning. You say this, but the thing is, I know you're actually secretly Elon Musk's greatest fan. No, George which of the famous ridiculous billionaires that's trying to change the world is your current fan? Uh, Elon's my favorite one, definitely. Elon. Well, he's, he's got the balls for it, hasn't he? he? He put a Tesla in space. What has Jeff Bezos got in comparison to that? Like, Amazon deliveries. It's not, it's not going to be 
He's he's the the most terrifying capitalist that we have in the world, and I'm keeping an eye on him on behalf of all of you guys. What if so uh, we can work out what he's up to? What if they get together and they Amazon deliver balls to space? I mean, this oh wait, is, balls wasn't involved. This is terrifying. We got we've got to a point now where like Amazon and and uh, and Elon Musk's empire and various other massive conglomerations are more powerful than any single nation on earth. Yeah. Um, and that worries me. I don't know whether it worries any of you guys, but I do find that slightly concerning. Um, if Elon Musk basically starts putting electrodes into people's brains and he's going to start off by solving a lot of the world's problems with it and then we'll begin to trust him and then eventually he'll be like, hey, you can have one of these just in order to remember what you're going to say next all the time, which I could do with as a comedian. Um, and then eventually we'll end up all having these and then presumably he just presses one button and we all become a sort of Elon Musk robot army. I, I hate all of it just because like, I, I love the idea that we now have a Tesla in space, right? That we've launched that so that whenever alien archaeologists come across it and we're long dead, they will at least know that we were smug. Um, now what have you brought along, Sarah? What has been in the news that has fascinated you? Yeah, so um, I've been looking at this story about uh, these researchers that have developed, well, are trying to develop a synthetic microbiome. So uh, we've all got a microbiome. You may have heard of it. It's uh, basically all the microbes that live in your gut. Um, it's been uh, Our current microbiome has been linked to all sorts of health outcomes like um, diabetes, uh, obesity, um like basically any illness they think might be uh, slightly affected by the different types of bacteria you have in your gut. Well, um, it's a synthetic one then. What right. Makes this so obviously for years they've been trialing like fecal transplants and stuff. But what this new uh, group of um, scientists are trying to do uh, is develop synthetic organisms that can do things like detect cancer or um, report on health outcomes. Uh, and the idea would be to transplant these synthetic microbes into your gut that could act as like um, alerts to tell you, uh, ooh, maybe you should get more fiber or whatever. Or, ooh, you've got cancer. That'll be less cheering. I don't understand the, the interface for this. So you get your synthetic microbiome yeah. and it detects something that shouldn't be there. How does it alert you? I don't know, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> send you an email? Well, it? I don't think so. I think it's more the case that it would maybe produce a substance. Although, do you really... You'd have to look in your poo, wouldn't you? But that'd be okay. It'd be I like a you poo... you have to do that for a lot of times. A poo anyway. mail. It'd be like a poo mail. A poo mail. <laughs> a poo mail. Yeah. <laughs> we always Something. get on to fecal transplants sooner or later with yeah. this show. Every time. Um, you do a poo and it's just got an attachment on it. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, for a lot of these things, I'm aware that just in terms of getting like bacteria to express stuff, so a, lot, a common one when we say express is they will produce a protein or something. Yeah. So for a lot of genetic engineering, we use green fluorescent protein that we get from uh, jellyfish. It makes it glow in the dark. So maybe if suddenly you've gone to the loo at night time, you look into the pan and it's just glowing back at you, you'll know something's up. That yeah. would be brilliant. And if there could be different uh, fluorescent microbes for different indicators for different things... That would be great. Yeah, you know? I assume I assume that's what it would be. Like, I think you could have a, a a bunch of different ones that would alert you, maybe to the things that you're at high highest risk of. 
Um, Even the flashing ones that are really dangerous, like flash, flash, flash. <laughs> I suppose yeah. the issue with this, the, pro- the potential true. problem that could come up with this would be uh, that with current fecal transplants, we have an issue with trying to get the bacteria to stay there. So you can chuck them into your gut. Uh-huh. You can't guarantee that they're in there. So if you chucked in a bunch of synthetic microbes into your gut, you might assume that they're in there living happily, monitoring things. Uh-huh. And, and, but they're actually not there at all. They didn't stay. They're down uh, the loo. Yeah. So. This is one of the problems with the uh, electrodes that Elon Musk is going to sew into everyone's brains as well. Is the biggest problem they have is getting the brain to accept these plastic kind of circuit boards. They're very tiny and th- there's plastic threads that come out of them. But your brain is still likely to say, well, that's not brain and, and try and get rid of it. So how do you get your body to accept all these things that we're developing? Right. So... When you're doing fecal transplants, the reason that your body accepts them is because they're bacteria that would live in that environment anyway. So if you're basing your synthetic, your synthetic bacteria off bacteria that would exist in the gut anyway, then there's, uh, and then feed them with foods that would help them stay in the gut, then that's, that's a way that it wouldn't reject it. Because it's not, it's not like, uh, your own, it's not like in your cells. It's like part of your. Yeah, it's passing, just yeah. passing through, quite yeah. literally, in this case. Uh, what if we combine our two, though? What if we b- combine Elon Musk's brain transplant with the I'm synthetic bacteria? I'm not any poo in my brain, if that's <laughs> where this is going. But what if your poo could email your brain? <laughs> no, we're going to stop this right here. <laughs> that's Holly. a whoops, WhatsApp conversation, that's not an email <laughs> conversation. <laughs> Holly, what is the new story you've brought with you? I thought something from outer space would be really good. And um, the idea that we've now got the technology to start terraforming Mars, really struck me. So they've come up with this astro, silica astrogel. Like I think of it as like a bubble wrap that you can place on the surface of Mars and underneath it, plants will grow. Plants from planet Earth will grow on the surface of Mars. This bubble wrap stops the, um, uh, the cold, it increases the temperature, it prevents the UV radiation that would kill most things on the surface of Mars. And it allows the radiation planet, the, the good radiation and the heat to come through. So we can actually start to terraform Mars. I'm very skeptical of this, and I've got good reason. For a start, how long does it take to get to Mars? So two and a half years of human flight right now. Right. Two and a half years, I have popped every single bit of bubble wrap, which is within... <laughs> within totally and there's nothing to do on a yeah. spaceship either. So yeah. they are going to be We're, we're meant to be in hibernation, though. Oh, yeah, good point. Yeah, yeah. So tell us more, actually. You're saying this bubble wrap might be the answer. And, and actually, we're talking about terraforming, so yeah. changing a whole planet. Exactly. It's basically the, the, the plot of the Martian, but wrapped up. Exactly. And, the, and the, I think like everybody loves the idea of terraforming. Even Stephen Hawking, before he died, said, this planet is going to crap. The only way we're going to survive is if we can actually terraform. So it's in everybody's mind. But changing the entire atmosphere of a planet is pretty much still science fiction. This is possible. This is absolutely real. They've shown that in under Martian conditions, you can grow synthetic plant, photosynthetic plants under those conditions, which is, um, frankly, pretty astounding. So you don't need any other input. It's just no. The that's much. that's the beauty of it. Wow. The thing that might be limiting. So they they've conquered the um, the temperature. So above this um this silica hydrogel, it'll be about minus fifty degrees. But below it, it'll be about zero degrees. And, and it will slowly get warmer. The longer the gel is there, the ground will get warmer and warmer. They're going to place these mats in the areas where there's already frozen water on Mars. So they're using Mars' own water for it. The one thing that might be problematic is that the atmosphere is nitrogen-limiting, and plants need nitrogen to grow. Uh-huh. So they're thinking of potentially impregnating the silica gel with a bit of nitrogen to feed it forward. That is a crazy brief for an astronaut, isn't it? It's 
<laughs> yes, you're going to go to Mars. It's going to take you two and a half years to get there. And then when you get there, we want you to put bubble wrap on Mars. They basically shrink wrap Mars. Yeah. Now I understand what Jeff Bezos is up to. You see, <laughs> this guy who runs Amazon, who we thought was up to nothing in particular, he's just stockpiling bubble wrap for the and he's going to exactly. take over Mars and run everything from there. Get your Amazon space delivery. It'll yeah. come wrapped in bubble wrap. You exactly. saw it. Exactly. Nice. Yep. We landed. So, ladies and gents, that is what is happening right now. The world is already sci-fi, as far as I'm concerned. But now we're going to get into the hypothetical. We will come back to you guys later. So get your thinking caps on. What would you change about the species? <laughs> Rachel, before our audience and our experts here decide what they would like to see changed in the human species, what kind of thing are you hoping to hear from our audience? Um, well, I'm looking, for, uh, I'm looking for upgrades which will get me away from... Uh, many of the problems that I have in my brain. Uh, I walk into rooms, I don't know what I went in there for. I'm 38 years old, this should not be happening yet. It's very worrying. Uh, I'm addicted to caffeine, I'm addicted to my mobile phone. Um, Elon Musk talked about how we already have a tertiary layer of super intelligence. It's just not in our brain yet, it's on my phone. I do think the cat gifts that I look through on a daily basis are a layer of super intelligence, to be honest. So I want upgrades that are going to actually make a difference and make me a bit more effective without having to have my brain invaded by a surgical robot. Okay, so you've all heard that. That's your brief. Do your best. But can, that case, can we start this time with you, Holly? What is your pitch? What would you like to change about the human body? All right. So, I mean, I've, I was thinking about the, the human body and about the future. And some of my research at the University of Manchester is on air pollution. And it's a huge problem. And unfortunately, I don't think it's going to go away. So I was trying to think of how the human body in the future will be able to deal with the ever-changing problems in our atmosphere. Back to the atmosphere. And so my suggestion is that the future, our hair, and in particular, our nose hair, is going to be purifying. So every time we breathe in, the, the, nose, the hairs in our nose will actually purify our air. But it's not just that. It's because we're in Manchester, and it's the home of graphene, what is going, the way we're going to purify our air is the graphene, which is this nanomaterial, the supermaterial that's kind of like charcoal that can suck CO2 to the atmosphere, it can suck um, uh, particles from, from air pollution, from combustion, all of that. Graphene will basically form nanotubes of our nose hair. So we'll basically become nanographene bots that purify the air as we breathe, and therefore we'll be able to stand in the future even if we keep destroying the atmosphere. This is like a, a Glade plug-in that you're going to permanently so I think install might, up my yeah, nose. Yeah, basically. I think the, th sure the thing it. is, I think we're almost there because they already have graphene masks. So people can put graphene in these masks and ride their bicycles to work. And it takes the pollution out of the air. So I think we're one step away from just sticking graphene plugs up our nose. That's like, that's like you know, in the next 100 years, maybe the next 50 years, maybe the next 10 years. But making those plugs join in and actually our bodies becoming graphene-producing hair, that's probably a little bit further do you away. Think, do you think aesthetically humans are going to be up for putting a load of graphene nanotubes up their noses? Well, th th the thing is that uh, right now people are already... There's a graphene hair paint that exists because in certain places people think that air pollution is ruining the lustrousness of their hair. So you can get a graphene hair paint to make your hair look better and to protect it from the atmosphere. Uh, so I'm painting our hair with graphene exists. I'm so disappointed in humans. We find this new super material and we think, oh... I'm going to wear that. Yeah. Like, it's just so pathetic. But, I mean, we could wear it everywhere. We could, we could, it could be not just for our noses and air pollution. I mean, just think about it. Pollen, allergies, 
airborne diseases, any kind of airborne filter could actually be removed from, from, our, from our problems. So, so I'm, I'm, not, I'm not sure about this though, right? My problem with this is if we create some really effective air filters, there is no uh, motivation at all to actually get the pollution in the environment down, right? So, Which mm. surely we need to be doing as well. But evolution isn't about motivation. Okay, I've got a secondary problem. <laughs> what about your mouth? That's the major problem, actually. So this, this is that I had thought about that. <laughs> so, so the other, the one, one possibility is that in our in our future we become more rodent-like because rodents don't mouth breathe; they only nose breathe. But that's not very. What, what, that's hold on, we're not <laughs> passing by that. Rodents only nose breathe. Rodents only nose breathe. They yeah. are better than like ninety percent of people I know. This yeah. is incredible. Yeah, but I don't. I don't suggest in the future that we turn into rodents. But we need to maybe just talk less. Breathe through our nose. It's like meditation or exercise. We breathe through our nose in those times. So a little bit of breath through our breathing through our mouth, we should probably still survive. But if we breathe through our nose the majority of the time, then all of the negative consequences of breathing in either polluted air or poisoned air or um, diseased air, gone. Aren't electric cars going to revolutionize the air pollution problem in the country? Or am I being massively naive there? Planes. Planes. Planes, oh, planes. planes. yeah, okay, planes. Yeah, Although but hydrogen planes, though, right? Can we actually, in that case, can I take this? We dig a bit deeper in. Can you tell us how bad is air pollution? Why is it getting worse? What yep. is the connection to the heart? Because I know that's also yeah, a so, big part of your so, research. Uh, I mean, air pollution is get, getting worse. Um, right now, I think it's 2.4 million, or sorry, 4.2 million um, people globally have um, died from air pollution. And it's um, uh, a burden for the respiratory system, heart disease, stroke, and then many, many comorbidities. And so it's a, it's a growing issue, and it's very, very difficult to tackle because we can try and reduce some uh, vehicle exhaust, but uh -huh. that's actually really the tip of the, uh, the, the iceberg. There's, it's, it's, not, it's not an easy thing to tackle, and even if we change a lot of our ways, we still have a, a high burden of, of pollutants. So I think it's oh, going so to it's be like very it's difficult. Out there, there's like an inertia built into it, which yeah. is adding to the top, we're yeah. adding to the pool of poison every day. And one of the biggest concerns is actually not just the is the fact that these particles in the air, these are like, um, microparticles, can potentially get through our respiratory system and into our bloodstream. Very fine ultra particles, and I mean graphene is a mechanism for being able to adhere and suck. It's like graphene's like charcoal; it just sucks everything to it. What about? I think we could fix the mouth problem, right? By having baleen like whales, you know? <laughs> we a giant, we no more teeth. What's, what's, bar, what's That's baleen? That's You know idea. some baleen, whales. but she's Welsh. Like <laughs> which is ironic, she's talking about whales, you know. <laughs> but go ahead for it. You know some whales, instead of having teeth, they've just got kind of like a filter. like like You know like the, the bit of the hoover that nobody knows what it does. And what's that called, did you say? Baleen. Or, ba or baleen. Or baleen. Okay. Baleen. <laughs> yeah. So we could have baleen instead of... That would be very terrifying though, right? That's not going to look good on my Tinder... Profile for the members of the audience. Got like sort of yeah, but if everybody has it, yeah. no, I don't think that becomes sexy if everybody. <laughs> has it. I don't know. Everybody kind of likes Predator, don't they? I mean, <laughs> yeah. Look at the thing is, I, I would argue for Bailey and for plenty of other reasons, right? Because effectively, they are. You're right. They're they're filtering their food. They're trying to catch it for a different reason. It's like this uh, keratinous, so like hair-like brushes that they use to filter out their food. And if have you ever seen like a guy with a mustache having a cappuccino? <laughs> And you know, they lick it afterwards, or they, they might be really disgusted There's and one leave over it there, there for later. <laughs> no, there isn't. Well, yeah, we've, we've, yeah, who knows, actually. We're recording in a sort of tent slash coffee shop, which I is very cool. <laughs> I don't know how we've missed this. Sorry, maybe the answer is just moustaches for all, surely. <laughs> yeah, graphene moustaches. 
because that can go Graphene over your mouth. moustaches, <laughs> right, that is it. That's on the short list. Write it down. Brilliant, I love it. This Graphene is on the short list. Yes. Great. Uh. I think we might have to stop there just because we've, we've hit peak persuasion. <laughs> with Not title. only peak persuasion, but peak hipster as well. So this there is, is on the short list. There's nothing more hipster than a graphene moustache. Just you wait. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm I interested to know what Sarah's got up her sleeve now. Before we dig into this, just look, I've got to ask one final thing because graphene has been hailed as a wonder material. Thank you, Manchester. Yeah, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, it's also this one of the strongest materials in the world, isn't it? So, again, as a man in his 30s for whom nose hair is becoming an increasing problem, will you be able to clip this? You will not be able to pluck it, no. But the thing is, you can probably, it won't grow. You can set it to this, the level you want and it'll just stay there. It's indestructible. Also, it, I'm interested to know what the minimum age for installing one of these is. But I think it might just be like it's just going to grow as you grow. I think if you, babies need it because babies uh, Because we're incorporating this into... We're going to somehow yeah. like grow this as part of... Yeah, it's incorporated. We're redesigning the human body to have a graphene moustache on every baby. <laughs> this is not weird. This is not weird. It's fine. It's going to save humanity. Cool. It'll give some babies a lot of character. Yeah. That's what we can say. It will, it will, yeah. Okay, great, yeah. right. That is on the shortlist, 100%. Love it. <laughs> Thank you, Sarah, Holly. what have you got? Right, so having baleen, or what do you say, baleen? baleen. It's okay, you, you're not you necessarily wrong. I tell you what's it's happened is I've gone full Welsh and I've gone bar like a sheep <laughs> and then just added in on the end. Baleen, right. right. Um, it, it's totally in conflict with that because you need some like super teeth for my suggestion. Okay. Because my suggestion is we get the um, bacteria that the, uh, the metabolisms that the bacteria that I work with have uh, so that we can eat rocks. We you want us eat to eat rocks? rocks? Yes. Okay. Should we go to Blackpool? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, so the bacteria I work with, they've got sulfur and iron metabolisms mm -hmm. so they can eat sulfide minerals. Um, like essentially within my field, I have two options here. Make humans more like bacteria or make humans more like rocks. <laughs> I think I've picked the better one. Um, so, yeah, if we could utilize these metabolisms, we wouldn't need to grow food. It would reduce food shortages worldwide. And we could have some hipster pop-up rock restaurants. Ooh, rockers. That would be cool. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so I sit down to breakfast in the morning for my bowl of shredded Pebbles. gravel. <laughs> and 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 that's delicious to me, is it? Or yeah, I'd assume so because I assume the bacteria that eat rocks currently do find it delicious. So the the bonus of this is that we would no longer have to farm food. Yeah, we would just eat our own patios. <laughs> uh, right. it, I mean, that would be expensive for masonry reasons, but uh, <laughs> you go to B and Q and you'd buy a bag of gravel, and that would be your food for the week. Yeah, you could just have, and particularly if you had both a sulfur and an iron metabolism, they can go in a cycle. So as you're oxidizing um, iron, you can reduce sulfates. So you could just so cycle them around like I that. I think we have to take a big step back here. So first of all, we've got to think about what oxidation reduction all that kind of stuff is. Yeah. But before we get to that. There's bacteria that eat rock. Yeah. Why is there still rock? Uh, well, there aren't. <laughs> once no once rock. they've so this is what happens in acid mine drainage environments. If you've heard of that, nope. uh, that's when. Tell us more. Okay, so around mining areas, because of the types of rocks that are there, they've got sulfur in, and they've got iron in. So uh, if you get the types of bacteria that I work with, they 
create energy for themselves by uh, oxidizing the sulfur to sulfuric acid. So they generate acid, and then you've got acid that, you have big acidy waters around the mineage site. Uh, so essentially that part of the rock has been broken down. The reason we still have rocks in the world is because there's loads of rocks. <laughs> the planet's kind of you made of it, isn't first, it? guys. So There's loads of rock. <laughs> Can I just clarify <laughs> something, right? So you're a PhD candidate at the moment. Yes. And your research is into bacteria that eat rocks yeah. in order to extract metal Metals out of them, from yeah. the rocks. Yeah. So eventually we wouldn't have to... If, you're, if we extrapolate your research massively, we would get all of our copper out of the ground by by getting the rocks out of the ground and then yeah. getting the bacteria to eat everything that isn't copper. Yes, exactly. Right. Yeah, so that's what I do. And uh, it's a much more energy and energy efficient and economically feasible way of mining some rocks. How do we get copper out of rock at the moment? Burning it. Oh. Ah. Yeah. Right. That's not good, is it? But it's very energy intensive. Okay. So if you just chuck a bunch of bacteria on it, they'll just do all the heavy lifting for you. How much um, bacteria would you need to get some copper out of some rock? Is well, it loads? Well, <laughs> they, that is, you said some in both Don't instances. Don't worry, we'll, we'll cut this bit when I've worked out how to I phrase it I in a way I suppose what she's kind of meaning is it's not just like one yakult. You don't like just throw it at a rock and it does all the work for um, you. Well, basically, the bacteria is there in the first place. Uh -huh. So it's the conditions. There's this theory in, in microbiology, which is that everything is everywhere, and it's the environment that makes things dominate. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So the bacteria that you need to do the job of breaking down the rocks, they're there anyway. And when the conditions become like pervade, like the conditions make it easy for the bacteria to start attacking the rock, they'll start doing that. Which is why if we put bubble wrap on Mars, plants will grow because that everything is there ready for them. It's just <laughs> that they don't have the right atmosphere and conditions. Well, in fact, I know that there's something definitely like this because one of the reasons why Mars is known as the red planet is because it is rusty, in fact. Like that's iron oxide rust, basically, that is giving it that sort of red-orange hue. So is Mars perhaps the perfect place to try this out? Like, 
Well, there's a lot of people that research the bacteria that I work on for that purpose to see what might live on Mars um, because it's a similar sort of environment. There'd be iron there that they could use. So, yeah, potentially. Um, the If anything was going to live on Mars, it would be these these in, uh, inorganic bacteria. So these are, they, when you say inorganic, it's because they're not feeding on things that are already alive. They're yeah, breaking they're down. feeding on uh, on things that are just <laughs> rocks, essentially. Because <laughs> it does sort of like perfect recycling in many ways. Yeah. Hmm. You're like able to turn rock into stuff. What about really precious metals? Can we use microbes to mine gold? Yeah, absolutely, and that's already done. So some of the minerals I work with, like pyrite, you tend to get gold as a trace element in pyrite. Um and obviously pyrite is fool's gold as well. Um, and yeah, it's already done that people use, it's called bioleaching, the process of using bacteria to get metals out of minerals. And um, people already bioleach to get gold and, and basically any precious metal. Well, maybe this is a naive question because um, I have been educated by Jurassic Park as I was growing up. I, of course, am worried whenever the prospect of these things going rogue, going wild. Like, if we're going to try and make these bacteria better or give them the conditions by which they can flourish, at what point does this somehow intersect with a Terminator movie? You know, like, where does the bacteria win and take over? Right, here's the issue. The bacteria I work with work at pH 1.5. So, ah, unless so the whole acid. world became acidic, in which case we'd have other problems. Have you been on Twitter? <laughs> well, <laughs> um, yeah. We, okay, we, so we're fine. what I'm trying to get out of it, this suggestion, so we've got graphene moustaches, that's the first way we should redesign the human body, according to Holly, and then your idea is that we eat rock and then we spit bits of copper into the bin <laughs> as we walk around. I don't understand what the benefit of this is. Oh, us. I wasn't really suggesting that we become the bioleaches, but that's actually quite a good idea. I actually think that's better, that we, okay. we mine our own minerals But why would we want to do that? Why does it make the human race more fit for purpose for the planet? Well, so that we don't have to grow food anymore. Right, okay. Rock. Or you could just have some food as like... Um, Pets. <laughs> as, uh, as a treat or as art or something. I would love taking a carrot for a walk would not be lovely um, can I dig in a little bit deeper actually on these things because you mentioned the byproduct of all this is that it makes sulfuric acid yeah okay now again so these are things that live in acidic environments yes and they make that environment I guess as well yeah exactly so they make the environment that they like for themselves okay then how come I mean, I suppose I'm basically wondering, bearing in mind that we are all at some point descended from archaea and bacteria and all those things, mm -hmm. why did we bother? Like, when we, why did we get to this <laughs> stage when we could just be surviving eating the planet? Um, I think it's probably to do with, like, getting vast amount of energy. Like, we need a large amount of energy, don't we, to power ourselves. So um, we're going to have to eat a lot of rock to be a human. Yeah, um... I think as well, because we developed from things that are, like maybe we could make it efficient now, but like the initial things that became heterotrophs, so the initial organisms that went from eating rocks and stuff to eating other animals and plants to get uh, to get food, uh -huh. that would have been a massive um, benefit to them, wouldn't it? Because they could have then generated loads more energy. Yeah. But if we could make this somehow work in all of our cells. Well, yeah, I guess it, in terms of like, reproducing your genome, the faster you can do that, the more energy yeah. you have to do that. So you organize, build up energy, and utilize it. So theft is the way forward. What we're yes. talking about here is returning to a, a quiet mining life. A, you know, <laughs> are we going to become dwarves in some kind of Tolkienian 
life. What is it? I love the I idea like of like mining is the good old life. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll my, da- my I like dad was a miner. <laughs> I'll tell you why I like this idea. I like this idea because it does make the uh, the weekly kind of like thinking about food and menu planning. I have three kids. If I didn't have to make packed lunches anymore, if I just gave them a bunch of pebbles and went, off you go, guys, off you go to school, have a rock each, there you go, be a lot easier. Coco Pops, Coco Rocks is about to become so much more literal. <laughs> nice. But wouldn't it be terrible? You give them a lunchbox and then they just break their wrist as it drops onto the floor <laughs> with the weight. Yeah. You know? Okay, Coco Rocks is on the shortlist. It's, oh, I like it. right. So Sarah's idea of eating rock is on our shortlist now as well. <laughs> That means audience here at Blue Dot, you have some stiff, stiff competition. So if you have an idea of how you would like to change the human species, please put your hand up now. What is your name? Kiva. Hello, Kiva. What's your suggestion? Um, that they upgrade taste buds so you can make any food taste what you like. So you upgrade taste buds so that you can make any food taste of anything. So you could eat broccoli, but it would taste of chocolate. <laughs> okay, yeah. so... What would be your favourite? Um, probably... Broccoli tasting like pizza. Broccoli <laughs> tasting like pizza? Yes, we like that. That's right. very good. Well, first the question, of course, is have you never tried pizza broccoli? Oh, I was going to ask that. <laughs> What's pizza broccoli? I mean broccoli pizza. Yeah. Sorry, yeah. that was the wrong way around. That makes more sense, doesn't it? Have you ever tried broccoli pizza? No. You should try putting broccoli on pizza and then lots of cheese on top might improve things. <laughs> yeah. But let's, let's dig a bit into this because actually I think the difficulty might be when we're talking about upgrading taste buds is it tends to be the people with most taste buds are the people who are the pickiest eaters. because they true, can taste. isn't it? Super tasters, they like like three foods. Yeah. So your advantage might be the exact opposite. You know, if you remove taste buds, you're generally more tolerant. Um... So one taste bud, that's what we're saying. (laughs) Humans will have one taste bud under the new regime organized by Kiva. Is it? Yep. Um, And would you like a sweet taste bud or a sugar taste bud? Um, Those are the same thing. Sugar taste bud, correct that, answer. That, that was the same thing, you didn't realize, the sweet taste bud and the sugar taste bud. Oh, oh, I meant, Salty. sorry, I got that wrong. <laughs> well, we've only, got, we've only got a limited number to correct in this. So again, can we expand on this a little bit more? Because the majority of taste is not your taste buds, it's your nose. So actually, again, Sarah, as our resident smelling expert, which sounds like some weird fetish, let us be entirely <laughs> honest. Have you got a great, uh, are you a great gourmand as well? Does your sense of smell, when no, not applied well, to landfill, help you cook? I think my sense of smell is cancelled out by being Welsh. So uh, I like like three things. Cheese on toast, beer, <laughs> and uh, I don't know, Welsh cakes. <laughs> if you were about to say Welsh rarebit, which is a combination of beer and cheese, <laughs> cheese on, on toast, toast yeah. then um, we would have had two things. peak Wales. <laughs> Uh, is this on the shortlist, Rachel? That's what it is. 100% on the shortlist, yes. Thank you very much. Give you a round of applause. Yay. Right, so we've got graphene moustaches, we've got uh, less taste buds, <laughs> and we've got eating rocks. Um, would you like to come up, young man? Come up to the front. Let's hear your suggestion. How would you redesign the human? Oh, hang on. Uh, first of all, what's your name? Oliver. Oliver, how would you redesign the human body? To be completely double-jointed. 
to be completely double jointed. Yes, so every single bone in your body. Yeah, um, like you can move completely different ways, like a invertebrate or... Cool. Do you have any double jointedness? No? Does anybody here have any double jointedness? They want to... Do you, Kiva has double jointedness. <laughs> we can that tell was a plot because twist nobody saw coming. <laughs> Would you like to show us? Oh, don't, don't break the Yay! children in front of the audience. Please come to the. I don't know wh where this is going. This could be. A, are we insured for this? I don't know. Kiva, come here. This what, is what? not just a physiology special. This is now. Um... Oh wait a minute. Rachel's just checking that whatever this isn't going to kill I just, anyone. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to quickly ask on the microphone, Kiva, what is your double-jointedness that you would like to demonstrate? Um, I can do the splits. Could you do the splits for us? Okay. Wow! wow. This is amazing! <laughs> now, did that hurt? No. That's amazing. Thank you so much. Brilliant. And um, as this is an audio podcast, where do you see this? So can I. <laughs> I thought you might go along with that. Uh, so hold on, we're talking about double jointedness. Panel, can we dig in here? Does anybody think, how might we do this and why do we think this might be beneficial to humans? Why is anybody double jointed? Can we explain why Kiva is amazing like this? I can't, but I was just thinking about opposable thumbs. It's not really double jointedness, but that was one of the biggest steps in our evolution. So jointedness itself is tied into the way we evolved. Okay, so remember to find a genuine function is this. I think it's, I think it's going to be beneficial um, because what's one of the key ways people meet each other to start dating in a nightclub? Imagine how popping your dance moves would be if you're entirely double-jointed. Also, amazing limbo dancing skills, yeah, as exactly. demonstrated by Kiva there. I think that's pretty amazing. Oliver, do you have any things that you'd like to be able to do with this double-jointedness? Uh, to, like, go completely. Again, I think he's flossing. This must be flossing. I don't understand. <laughs> but go on. So, like, um, put your arm like this, and then bring them round back. So you basically want to be able to put, step through your hands, join your hands, step through your hands, and then bring them up over your. That would be quite cool. I don't know what uh, benefit this has to the entire human race, but we love it, uh, and it will stop us popping all the bubble wrap on the way to Mars. If we can entertain ourselves with our double-jointedness on the spaceship. Well, we could fit ourselves into a smaller space as well, presumably, yeah. on the spaceship, by just, like, no. you know, folding up smaller. Yes, that's true, actually. Yeah. So people massively double-jointed can get into suitcases and then zip themselves in. I still have to ask the question, is there any disadvantage to being double-jointed? Can you tell us what it is, if you know what it is? Um, well... You might not be double-jointed in the wrong way. I don't know. <laughs> so basically, you might bend something back in a way that might do harm. Like, do is double-jointedness, does it anyway connect to things like arthritis? Can you end up overstretching joints? Can double-jointedness cause damage? Yeah, I think it can wear down cartilage. Because I'm aware that like it's not double-jointedness, but like say people with a thing called uh, Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, which is a type of hypermobility, they've got a problem with their connective tissue. So things like arthritis and things like... Um, even their valves and their heart and stuff overstretching can cause major, major troubles. The stretchiest man on the planet lives in the UK. He's in the Guinness World Records. He's called Gary Turner. He can grab his stomach and pull it out about six inches. He can grab his neck 
and make himself a kind of homemade flesh balaclava. Oh. Which, as a Northern Irish person, I'm sure I'd find useful in some way. <laughs> I can make that joke and you cannot. So we're not going to stop until we can pull out our stomachs and wrap them over the backs of our heads. Yes? <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> Wedgies. Okay, maybe, maybe not. We've gone too far now. <laughs> Oliver's like, no, that's silly. Okay. Is it on the shortlist, Rachel? It's on the shortlist. Yes, definitely. Wedgies of the future are going to be awful. <laughs> Give Oliver a big round of applause, everyone, please. Anyone else got any ideas of how to redesign the human body? Could we, we have... We do take suggestions from adults as well. We'd like to point <laughs> out. Shall we have uh, the person over there? Yes, please. And then, and then, I did see you with the hand that we'll have you next, okay? Right, hello, what's your name? Anouk. Anouk. Hello, Anouk. How would you like to redesign the human body? Just have, like, really good memory, so you only have to learn everything in school once. That's a brilliant idea. To have really good memory, only have to, in fact, you could only have to hear everything once. You would just know it immediately. So, like, you can only, you only have to go to school for one year. <laughs> yes. And we found brilliant. the truth here. A nuke for Prime Minister. You would only have to go to school for one year. How many years have you been at school for already? Um, six. That's like too long, right? You've got things to do. Okay, <laughs> love it. Can I dig into this further, Anouk? Because you're suggesting with the problem of memories, we need to do repetition. Surely you've been doing different things every single year at school. You've not just been repeating the same one again and again and again. Yeah, but like... When we're doing like long multiplication, we learn the same thing for about a week and then we move on to something else or something like that. And then you've forgotten the thing you learned two weeks ago. Like, so you only have to learn it once in like one day for one day and then you can just remember it for the rest of your life. So let's dig into our panel here because what we're talking about here is a, a photographic or an eidetic memory. Does anybody know actually why do some people have these kind of incredible capabilities? No idea. No idea. I don't have one. Is it even <laughs> fair to ask? If I have one, does, I know. Does anybody have these incredible capabilities? Like, are we are we talking about a memory? Or are we talking about attention? Like, as for a lot of cases, I think there's at least some research suggesting that people with incredible autobiographical memories. It's not their memory which is better, it is their attention to detail in the first place. That while we look at most things and we gloss over them, because most of life is vaguely rubbish. Um, I w do you know, so much of my life, if I could just click skip ad, I would. Right? <laughs> you know, you don't want to surely remember everything. Like, do you want to remember every time you brushed your teeth? Or would you not like to well, gloss like over some of life? Everything you learn. Yeah, but learn we learn everything. Stuff? So how are you going to choose what to forget? Well, you just have this weird thing in your brain. <laughs> so we this is like what switch. Elon Musk wants to do, just have a weird thing in your brain, which you can, I mean, you can just like, some, sometimes some people would say it's all in there, it's just we can't recall it. Yeah, but that's not true. Oh, scrub that, that's no, not true. No, but it is an interesting theory. Some people did for a long time think that the act of processing meant that everything went through. But we now understand that perhaps our life, our brains are much more in a kind of approximations. Um, we know that these are chairs, even though they don't look like chairs at other ones, you know? We, we have a kind of a search image for something like this. I'm even bored of talking about this, but I don't think anybody's learned anything, so there's no <laughs> point remembering this bit. I think, I think you panel? might be right with the clicking a uh, skip button, but you know like you get a skip recap at the start of Netflix? If, you could just, if I could just skip recap every night when I imagine everything embarrassing I've ever done, if I could just click on a little skip button there, that'd be great. 
Yeah, or just swipe uh, left to things. Just oh just, yeah. <laughs> no, I know you're too young to be drinking to forget. Okay. <laughs> but you might learn it. Rachel, is this on the shortlist? This is on memory? the shortlist. I love it. This is something I desperately need. Yes, thank okay. you, Nuke. That's brilliant. And Nuke, a round of applause, Great. please. We've got time for two more because there's a gent up there who's had his hand up as well. Okay. Can you please give us your idea first? Hello, what's your name? Isaac. Hello, Isaac. What's your idea to redesign the human body? Well, you can adapt eyesight. So if you're looking out the window, then you can see further than you could usually see. That's great. Some kind of zoom function for eyes. This is brilliant. <laughs> yes, we definitely need that. Bionic vision. And that just goes straight on the shortlist. I'm having it. Oh, you're brilliant. having it. Yeah, right. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. That's great. Yay. And okay, so we have one more. Would you come up here, please, sir? Thank you. Hello, what's your name? Otis. Hello, Otis. How would you like to redesign the human body? Uh, mine's actually a slight adaption of um, the young girl that came up. So downloadable memory. Mm. So if, for example, you need to become an expert in something for a short period of time, you can just download it. But you have to use Elon Musk's technology for it to work. <laughs> oh, no. Well, I don't like that at all. I don't want to use Elon Musk's technology. This is like the Matrix where he just downloads like jujitsu or something. Does anybody remember what he downloads? Some martial art, isn't it? I yeah. love Kung Fu. Kung Fu. So Kung Fu, just press a button and suddenly boom, and I just punch you in the face and but, that's but it. Not, not forever. Only for like 48 hours. Right, Ooh. okay, 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 cool. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. So short-term skills. Isn't but this just owning a smartphone, though? <laughs> yeah, there's YouTube videos and everything. But like, how do you become adept? You're suggesting that it's all in your brain. Kung Fu is surely in our muscles and our memory that way as that's well. True, Panel, yeah. can we elaborate on this? I think it's true. I mean, and also, if you if you did it, how what would happen after forty eight hours? Would you just lose those skills? Yes. How do you have the muscle power to do it? Well, brain controls muscle activity, right? So if you're, I can't do a backflip if I wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> I believe if your brain can tell you to do uh, a backflip and release the right chemicals to relax your muscles to do so, you'll be able to do it. Really? Oh. What do we think, panel? Yeah, why not? You're really, really mind over matter, man. Yeah. I like this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. yeah, Now, you see, this, I think, is what Neuralink want to be able to do. If they put this chip in your brain, that, that you'll be able to download the ability to do a backflip, even though you've never done one before. Do you think that's possible? Yeah, or at least make the journey to doing a backflip normally uh, shorter. Do you know what else is even sadder? That we went straight to, you know, curing real world peace, solving world hunger, backflips, everyone. Yeah, that's what we want. I'm just a very, very simple human being, and I can't cope with anything massively complicated. Can we give Otis a huge round Thank of applause? Thank you, Otis. Yay. Is it on the short list, Rachel? Downloadable, short-term skills. Yes, I think so. Yeah. Okay, right. Now, Rachel, before we continue... Uh, every week I get to make a suggestion because as a zoologist and evolutionary biologist, I've been scouring the natural world looking for super capabilities and things that are already out there. And today I'd like to pitch from you to you a capability that we are going to steal from the Chinese uh, water turtle, soft shell water turtle. Is it blowing bubbles? Um, worse in a way, but better in a way, it can pee through its mouth. I know this turtle. You know this turtle know personally? This turtle. Yeah, yeah, actually, yeah, personally, do you know this turtle? Okay, tell me more in that case. How have you come so they, across so this? They, so they used to watch these turtles put their heads in puddles, and they thought, why on the earth are they putting their heads in puddles? And so this team thought, well, 
what we'll do is we'll figure out what's happening when they put their head. So they took the turtles out of the puddles and gave, put them into a, a, a tanks and then gave them a little uh, bucket to put their heads in. And then they just measured what came in that bucket over time. And it was urea, it was urine. And they realized, my God, it's actually peeing through its mouth. And the whole surface of its mouth and its tongue are covered in the same receptors that are in our intestines and in, in um, uh, bladders and other animals. Now look, right, we're trying to redesign the human body here. And I understand that there are creatures out there that do weird things, or weird to us anyway, because yeah. we're kind of very human normative, right, in our understanding of how the world works. What I don't understand is why you're suggesting that we should redesign the human body to wee through our mouths. It's like, why is that good? It's quite simple. So I, I'm now I'm now 36. I go to bed every single night. I've got a pint of water. Over the course of the night, I will drink that. But then I'll have to get up and pee, won't I? I'm now there with empty pint glass. <laughs> it's, Simon. The, it's the circle of life, man. Simon, this this is, is. If we take this one on, we've got to also have Kiva's uh, suggestion of the taste bud thing. <laughs> we need to reduce the number yeah. of taste buds if we're going to wee through our mouths. Yeah, this morning, is disgusting. Morning breath is um, going to be very different. No, I'm not having that one. You are going to have to get up and walk to the bathroom. Okay, fine. Well, that idea shot down in flames. Rachel, we're going to have to go through our short list, which is quite long because you've been very... I don't know if it's because you're a festival and feeling very generous... Sorry, I always I always take too many things onto the shortlist. If you just go through what the names of them are, so then I'll I'll make a decision quickly. You're gonna have to choose between Holly's graphy moustache, Sarah's eating rock and spitting acid accidentally with it, <laughs> uh, the better taste buds by reducing taste buds or increasing taste buds as we decided from Kira Kiva, uh, being double jointed everywhere from Oliver, who's the boys folded up in the back there. Uh, super memory from Anuka, super eyes, and also a downloadable memory suggested by Otis. Which of these ideas will we take forward? We're stabbing it into you in the lab next well, week. Well, downloadable memories are clearly, I mean, that's a clearly brilliant idea. Like, I absolutely want to be able to develop the ability to do Kung Fu overnight. I absolutely want to be able to download a language. However, the problem is I don't think it's a human redesign. I don't see how... I don't see how redesigning the human body makes that happen. That's a tech thing. Yeah. So it's a brilliant idea, but we're going to have to ask Elon Musk to do that for us in the brain chip. So I think what I'm going to go for is to redesign the human body so that we are completely double-jointed in every... I mean, this would be in a way that works, in a way that we're not going to actually damage ourselves, right? And then when I need to go on holiday, I can simply put myself in a box, gaffer tape it, and post myself to the Maldives and then get someone to open it at the other end, and out I come and I'm ready for my holiday. And I don't have to sit on an airplane. But I do have to sit in a box. <laughs> <laughs> this has been 100% thought through, as always. You, you can you, still enjoy the bubble wrap. You wouldn't have any air in the cargo part of the plane either. Let's not get bogged down the technicalities at this stage. Oliver, how do you feel about your suggestion being picked? Oh, Oliver, you mind could you come up, up because we need to talk to you about how how you've successfully redesigned the human body. How do you feel about having um, won this edition of Level Up Human? <laughs> what do you mean, like? Well, we're going to do this now, so everybody in the world is going to be double-jointed <laughs> as of tomorrow. Wow, okay. Um, what she's saying is we've got a hammer and you're the prototype. <laughs> we're not going to... No, 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 Simon. No, I've told, no. and we've talked about this. Please don't threaten the children. <laughs> um... How do you feel about being double-jointed uh, in the future? Um, I'd feel really happy with, and, um, 
like I be able to do like m more things that a normal human would not be able to do and um, it might help in really um, just squeezing through small gaps and squeezing through small gaps I hadn't even considered that that's a brilliant idea and uh, maybe you'd never have to ask anyone to pull their chair in again you could just just it would be like being flat Stanley did you did you read that flat Stanley yeah. um, no they've got TV and iPads now retro <laughs> this is okay. like nobody's heard of flat Stanley anymore that's everything fine. give it up for Oliver please Yay! We're going to have a limbo party to celebrate. <laughs> Ladies and gents, thank you ever so much. That has been Level Human. But before we go, I'd love to give a huge round of applause to our panel. We've had Holly Shields, we've had Sarah Jones, we've had the amazing comic Rachel Wheely, and the fantastic audience here at the Blue Dot Festival. I've been your host, Simon Watts. Thank you to Blue Dot for having us. Thank you for the Physiological Society for funding us. Thank you and good night. That was Level Up Human, hosted by Simon Watt, produced by Rachel Wheely, and supported by the Physiological Society. For more information, go to leveluphuman.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.